welcome to death row. Like we always do about this time. <laughs> I'm gonna fight your fucking ass. You don't got your plan touch butt with that dork in the park. Nah, uh, there's a little snake in the grass. Hey, I'm not surprised, motherfuckers. No fucking Jesus, people. I'd like to take this chance to apologize to absolutely nobody. Hey, pussy, are you still there? I'm back. Who the fuck is that guy? Break out the red panties. We're rich, baby. I would like to introduce... Welcome to the MMA for Money show, episode 8. I am your favorite garbage man, Bob Voss, a.k.a. MMA State of Mind, here with Don't Cope Just Win, Mike Copenhaver. Uh, this is going to be a little bit different. Uh, we are actually going to both recap and preview a Bellator card for this particular episode. Now, there's going to be a little bit of deja vu because part of that recap is going to be for Bellator 232, because that was the last Bellator event. And in there, you had the Douglas Lima victory over Rory McDonald, which we have talked about in the past. That was a relatively big bet for us. But we're going to go down that card a little bit more in depth, even a little Bellator fight news. And then we're going to look forward to Bellator 233 this Friday night. So before I go any further, Mike, how you doing? I know the California traffic's killing you, but how you decompressing? Oh, I'm doing good, man. Always a pleasure to be talking with you. So, on October 26th, that's when this took place. So, we're going back a little bit of ways. But, Paul, we'll go, actually, we'll go but as far down as we're going to go. We're going to, I, I can't even remember if this is on the main card, this part, but I at least want to bring it up. So, Baby Slice got a round one KO. It's nice to see him win. It's nice to see him find a home at Bellator and he's probably going to have one there as long as he wants it. And he'll probably either get crazy finishes or he'll get finished kind of just like his dad, but it was nice <laughs> to see him get the victory. Uh, I'm just going to quick steamroll through uh, all of these fights. And then Mike, you could pick up on any one of them that stand out. Uh, there's not a lot of them here, but we're going to go over them and then we'll spend a little more in depth regoing, regoing over of the Douglas Lima win because we actually have more time to go more in-depth on that. So Baby Slice, Baby Slice wins by round one KO. Nick Newell, uh, near his hometown, bringing a lot of ticket sales, actually lost a split decision uh, to Manny Neuro. Patrick Mix gets a one-round Solov uh, submission. I'm probably getting that wrong. Mike, you can correct me after that. Against Isaiah Chapman. Uh, Patrick looked uh, utterly amazing in that first round, showing some great ground skills. In the Comey yeah, event, oh. no, actually, no, we'll, we'll break there because I think that's, I mean, it's not the first time I've seen that submission done, but it's the first time I've seen someone tap to it. So, like, if you have more to say on that, by all means, take it from there. Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> that specific move, I, I don't know how to say it properly, so I'm going to try it. But I, I, I don't even know how to pull it off. I just, I, I know I watched it and just, it was so smooth how he ended up and uh, getting that knee bar, um, while it, after having his the guy's back, it was just uh, some really, really good jujitsu. Now in the co-main event of Bellator 232, Paul Daly TKOs Saad Awad in round two, late replacement, but. Back to vintage, vintage fashion, getting a beautiful finish there. 
Mike, did you see this finish? Uh, how you felt oh. about it? I mean, daily back or I mean, obviously he's always gonna have trouble with the wrestlers, but he can still put on a show, huh? Oh man, uh, Syntex Daily looked amazing and looked like his old self. He actually looked really, really pissed off. So I think I, that came uh, into the ring. Uh, but uh, I, I love seeing him when he comes out heavy-handed, and he just took it to uh, Assad. Um, and uh, you know, unluckily, luck, unlucky for him. But man, he uh, knocked him out, and then the canvas gave him another little knockout. Absolutely. Before we move on uh, to the main event, anything else about these early fights? Anything to say about Baby Slice's finish or Nick Newell getting split decision loss and, again, not quite showing up to snuff? Uh, Baby Slice, I mean, I, I was a huge fan of Kimbo Slice and the Backstreet, uh, the street, backstreet Brawling uh, that George Masvidal came through. And uh, it's just cool to see them take him under their wing and kind of, like, groom him and let him and his family, like, get some money before they most likely feed him to a, a real big wolf because he, he's not the real, real deal. And uh, it's going to end up bad in the end. But for now, it's uh, going to stack him and his family some money. So it's always cool to see him get a W. Now, for the main event, obviously, if you go back, we, we've previously talked about this fight. We broke this down, this fight at nauseum. We talked about how well we did on picking this fight. I'm just going to give a brief overview of what happened. I'm actually going to bring a few new things up because a few things have been starting to swirl around the Twitter sphere that I would like Mike's take on, and I can give my own take on it too. Douglas Lima had a dominant win over Rory McDonald. Dominant. He looked fantastic. Uh, Better than ever. His wrestling looked superb. Better than it ever has. He stuffed takedown after takedown after takedown. He landed more. He landed harder. His leg kicks were there, not as much as we thought they would be, um, but he was able to use footwork and just the superior takedown defense to still keep the fight where he wanted to, regardless of uh, Roy McDonald trying to come on and even said himself at the end, thought he won the fight. But Lima was able to sneak in those extra shots just that much better. Rory never had urgency or went for the kill because he thought he was winning, but to me, it was absolutely clear, very one-sided for Douglas Lima. Now, now we've already said all that. And yes, we this was our first ever max bet on this show, on Douglas Lima. It cashed, and it wasn't even close. But going even beyond that, one, is there really anything left for Douglas Lima in Bellator? That's my first question. Second, would you rather have him go over to the UFC? I mean, I'm not saying they'll do a trade because that's so few and far between. Granted, it's only happened about once. Um, But who would you love to see him fight in the UFC? And I'm just going to throw a name out there because this is is what brought this on for me. So I guess I'll, I'll just go with the first question of, is there anything else? Left from in Bellator, and then the second question: How would you like to see him against a UFC fighter? Very specifically, Jorge Masvidal. Given the way their two styles match up, go ahead, Mike. Can you take those two questions for me? Oh, oh wow! I mean, uh, Bellator. 
there's there's nothing left, man. I mean, he's climbed the hill and conquered all that's there. I don't see why he. I don't even know why he'd stick around. Besides, I guess just easy paychecks. I think that it's time for him to come to the UFC. And for all of us fans, it would be an absolute pleasure to watch Douglas Lima face the top ten, the top five, and beyond. Because I, I really believe he can beat almost all of them. And about George Masvidal, Jesus, dude, I don't even know where to begin with that. That would be crazy, man. That would be very similar fighters to me. I think Lima's a little bigger. And so I, I would... I would have to favor Lima slightly. I don't, which is kind of crazy. But um, his his takedown defense this time around versus Rory was absolutely amazing. And I don't know how Rory could have said he was ahead at all because uh, he must not have been counting the kicks and the combos that uh, Lima was throwing that was putting him ahead clearly and stuffing all of his takedowns, which you know counts a lot. So I mean. I can't wait to see Douglas Lima venture over to the OC. I hope they do. Hope they do some kind of trade or, or a super fight or some work something out because it's going to be an absolute shame not to see Douglas Lima in the UFC. And yet we have the worst brother. Yeah, you were absolutely right about that. We have the lesser brother. Uh, if anyone's listened to the show for a while, you know that in every MMA brother fighting combo. There always is a lesser, and the UFC happens to have the lesser right now. And <laughs> Douglas Lima's just sitting out there, man. And oh man, I—he is an incredibly loyal guy, who, from all intents and purposes, is beyond nice. I've heard nothing but good things about him in and out of the cage. I know he's happy with Bellator. I know he's making good money at Bellator. But man, for the fight's sake, because Roy McDonald's was the guy that he needed to be. I mean, I know Rory, I think Rory wants a trilogy because Rory beat him the first time as close as it was. But I think there was, there's been a switch. I think Rory is steadily on the downcline, decline. Not super rapid, but it's noticeable enough. Whereas the last little chink in Douglas Lima's armor is gone. I, I'm sorry. And he does better in a rematch. You saw that here. And in a trilogy, I can only imagine it would just be that much worse for Roy McDonald. And I would think that in the third fight, if there was one, Douglas Lima would get the finish. Roy can only take so much damage at this point. He's borderline out of the fight game as is. And Lima puts hands on you. Um, like we've been talking about, I don't know a way for Douglas Lima to get to the UFC. I'm pretty sure he recently signed an extension to his contract or it may have been a new one. But, man, I want him over in the UFC. I'm sorry. 170 has gotten so interesting. Like, just imagining the guys that he could fight. Like, Masvidal would be amazing. Robbie Lawler would be amazing. Give him an intro fight of Mike Perry or... Uh, Tyrone really just, Woodley. Oh, yeah. Tyrone Woodley's been waiting for it. I mean... I would love to see him against uh, either Colby or really anyone in the entire top 10. I mean... I think the only one, no, because I think he'd be able to keep it on the feet. Like I, I'm sorry, I think he'd be, I think he'd beat Lima. I think he'd beat. Like it takes until you get to the top, like three or so guys, where I might have to be like, I need to see that fight to know who would win. Pretty much everyone else, I am superbly confident that Lima would be able to take that. Sorry, 
Sorry. Now we're not. Now we're. Just, I hate to bother everybody because now we're just fantasizing because as of right now we have no way to know that's going to happen. But God, I hope it happens. Now, before we talk about uh, Bellator two thirty three, which is happening this coming Friday, just a little bit of fight news. Uh, Josh Barnett is going to make his Bellator debut against the one-time unable to make middleweight fighter Ronnie Marquez. Marks. Apologize if I'm pronouncing that wrong. At a Bellator USO show. This will be the second one they've done. It's on December 20th. In, I believe this one is also in Hawaii. Uh, and there's actually going to be one of those times where there's another Bellator fight card the very next night. Why they do that, I do not know. But, yes, you get Josh Burnett fighting someone who, at, at least at one point, was able to make two-way classes smaller. And for all intents and purposes, in my opinion, is likely... Be on roided out. Yes, I said it that way. Um, Mike, do you have any just initial <laughs> inklings on this fight? I mean, I guess an early pick if you want, but obviously we'll hopefully be talking about this fight in the future as well. Yeah, well, I think they're choosing Barnett's name to fill some seats. I don't even know what to think about the matchup. I wish they wouldn't have given us and the fans something better. Just off the top of the head, I would have to go with Barnett and the experience and the size difference. But he's so old and out of shape, it seems. I I can't even take him serious most of the time. So we'll see what happens. Well, and this will be his... He's in a little bit of pro wrestling, but this will be his first actual fight back from his long, drawn-out battle with USADA that it seems like people that have his issue now pretty much just get a slap on the wrist and continue to fight. Whereas he had an 18 month legal process to clear his name and cost him six figures. But, oh, well, I guess Josh Brown's going to get that money back somehow. So in Bellator 233, these odds might be a little bit different than what everyone's going to see. So currently most of the books, or if any of them really have fights open, they only have the main event and co-main event with odds. Now, our amazing leader, Jay, was able to get me odds uh, from over in the UK. So we do have odds for four fights on the main card. Uh, or that might be the whole main card. But I do have the first one listed for the Logan Shirley versus EJ Brooks fight, which I believe is on the main card, but apparently doesn't have odds. These odds are subject to change. And when they come over to the US, they might be slightly different. But I do have the main and co-main from the US books. So... There might be a little movement in here when this stuff finally gets posted. But we want to get this stuff out to you guys as early as possible, as well as the, with the breakdowns, so you have time to look over them. And everyone's slacking on their Bellator odds, which I'm not understanding, because we have Combate America odds already, but for some reason we can't get a full main card Bellator fight card. I, that, this is beyond me. But to start us off, we're going to talk about Logan Shorely, who is a perfect 10-0, 5-0 in Bellator, with a 70% finish rate, training out of Hard Knots 365, that's the same gym where Rumble's training at and a few other former Black Zillion fighters are at. Uh, he's going against EJ Brooks, who actually has a KO loss to Daryl Horcher, if you remember him, the guy that Khabib tossed around pretty severely and kind of washed out of the UFC. He also has a loss to Alex Ricci, who now goes by Alessandro Ricci, but again, beside the point. He has a loss to Johnny Case, and he even has a loss to Dakota Cochran. So basically anyone that has even sniffed the UFC, had their little 15 minutes of fame over there, 
he's lost to. If you can't tell where I'm leaning here, I'm leaning towards Logan Shorely uh, in a, in a de- decently big way. I actually think he's probably going to be a fairly heavy favorite. So if when odds do get released on this, if they do get released on it, it's on the closer side. I would probably have Shorely as a bet, but as there's no odds now, I could just have him there as a pick. Uh, Mike, do you echo the sentiments, or do you know something about EJ Brooks that I do not? Uh, I absolutely agree with you. I think that Logan Storley should absolutely manhandle this kid. I don't think that he should have any business in the ring with him. He's lost to, like you said, some other almost or UFC fighters over there for a little bit, but not true UFC fighters. I think he's going to have a real tough time with the wrestling of Logan Storley. So I think uh, Logan Storley should handle him quite decisively. Now, if everyone could remember back about, I want to say it was three years, maybe even four. I would need to double check. That was something I should have checked beforehand, but this all just occurred to me. Bellator decided to do what Strikeforce used to do. Find some standout college wrestlers that were either interested in making their MMA debuts at some point and snatched them up. Now, you know what's happened with Aaron Pico. Probably pushed him too fast. He fell in love with his hands a bit too much. That is what it is. Ed Ruth, although has faltered somewhat, is showing some constant change. And, and for the better. He's getting better. He's progressing. Um, I don't think he has the chin to be an all-time great or champion. But that's on him. But what seemed to be one of the guys who's flying under the radar for some, is Tyrell Fortune. Now, he's currently 7-0, but mind you, that's 7-0 in Bellator. He has never had a professional fight outside of Bellator. He is a wrestling powerhouse. He's a heavyweight. And currently, he's a big favorite versus Asuna, Zhu, the Eighth Wonder, and Yanwu, who's plus 355. He has a KO on Dana White's Tuesday Night Contender Series. So, you know what? Hey, you get a shot. Which was a decision loss to Justin Ledette. And his UFC debut got the boot. Now, I got nothing wrong with Justin Ledette. I actually really like his boxing uh, for the heavyweight division. But that's mainly the reason he won. Uh, Zoo the Eighth Wonder would head forward throw Hayes, maybe lend one or two. Justin Ledette would circle <laughs> out, pump him with the jab, and probably double, triple up his shots. Clearly winning two out of three rounds. Now, even the third round can be in a contested. I've seen some people give all three rounds for Justin Ledette, give at least one of them for Asuna, but clear loss to Justin Ledette. If it helps, he's probably not going to get too many shots off unless Tyrell decides to test out his striking a little bit. But, I mean, I think this is another clear, easy win for him. It is a slight step up in competition, so I don't know if they've learned from their mistakes. I would hope so, because this guy can be the future of their division. He is powerful. He, I, I, I don't understand how he's not going to win this. Granted, he's a huge favorite, so obviously he he should win this. And there's not really a bet to be had other than just to watch how he's progressing because this is probably 
technically the most acclaimed person he will be fighting to date, but it's still a nice, nice step up as he moves forward in the division. I mean, I guess my only hope is that he's so dominant and eventually Cole Conrad comes back, but that's just a personal thing. Cause he was my longtime favorite Bellator heavyweight, Mr. Polar bear there, but to, ah, well, he's, he's trading dairy futures. He's doing very well for himself. Uh, if you don't know who that is, look, look him up. Uh, I apologize for, Bringing that up for any of you newer fans who don't know who that is, he was exceedingly entertaining in uh, Bellator's first bright uh, heavyweight prospect. Apparently, this guy used to just toss Brock Lesnar around in the wrestling room in Minnesota. So, sorry for the diatribe. Uh, Mike, how are you feeling about Tyrell Fortune? Tyrell Fortune, Tyrell Fortune. Sorry, I have to repeat it multiple times because a little break in the fourth wall here. I thought I misprinted something. Because I know Tyrell's younger brother is fighting earlier on the card. And I was paranoid I wrote down the wrong thing. Because Tyree, Tyrell, it's only like two letters off, man. So I'm just trying to calm myself. But, Mike, where are you at with Tyrell Fortune, <laughs> Mr. Uh, Oregon wrestler here going against the Zoo the Eighth Wonder? I, I'm sorry, I still don't get his nickname. But <laughs> where are you on this fight? Oh, well, you know, I love uh, wrestlers, and I, I believe that uh, Tyrell was on the Team USA team at some point. I don't know if he got went to the Olympics fully, but I know he was definitely up at the highest level. So I, I really like him a lot. I think that he definitely is uh, uh, could be the face of the division over there, uh, and I think that's why they're just grooming him. So I think he should be able to take this, this guy down and, um, you know, do his thing, get a submission. But with that type of odds and lines, I, I, I don't recommend our fans betting him or, or really touching at all. Just uh, watch the fight and hope that uh, it's enjoyable. Now, for this next fight, I'm actually going to throw it to Mike first because I know he has a bet on this fight. I will give a brief overview of just what it is, and then I'll pass it along to him. And I will likely echo what he has to say if I'm thinking he's going to say what I think he's going to say. So Leslie Smith, minus 147. Again, UK odds. We'll see when they come over. But if it's anywhere near this, Leslie Smith is minus 147 versus Arlene Angerfist. Yes, you heard that right. <laughs> Angerfist as a nickname. Angerfist. One word. Angerfist. Blenkow. Uh, plus 120, they are fighting. They both have a shared victory over Sinead Kavanaugh, for what that's worth. Uh, Leslie is taller, longer, decent amount of volume, and Anger Fist is from Australia. So, <laughs> Mike, by all means, take this fight off my hands. Oh, man, I, I can't even believe that's her nickname. Um, Leslie Smith is going to damage little anger fist. There is no fucking way that she's not. I, I can promise you she is going to elbow that girl's face up against the cage at some point and damage her really, really badly. I really think that Leslie Smith can get a TKO KO win here. I think that she can get a, a also a ref stock stoppage uh, due to cuts. I, I, I think she's far too experienced. I think Anger Fist is uh, getting really old. I think she's like 36, which is like ancient in freaking women's MMA. I, uh, I just see Leslie Smith 
coming forward super aggressively. She's learned so much. Her only losses are to some pretty good women's MMA fighters at, at the time. And after those losses, she came back and she was a lot more aggressive and a lot more offensive. And I just really feel like uh, the line at one negative 147 at uh, Leslie Smith is just like a, a blessing. It's a gift. So I, I, I want to pick her as my bet. I'm going to put down 147. I believe that's the number you said to make one unit. And if any of you guys like that, that uh, I recommend doing that too. And then possibly throwing in a, an inside the distance because I, I think that she could do it. And we will update these odds when they become available. So tentatively, we have our bet at the current odds that we are aware of. Uh, if it changes, we will let you guys know via Twitter, as we tend to do. Uh, and also, if Mike ends up, or I, or any of us end up with the inside the distance prop, one that is made available, and given if it's good odds, which I would assume it would be, given most uh, women's MMA overs and goes decisions are usually uh, the favorites. I can only imagine Leslie Smith inside the distance might be a pretty penny. So we will keep you updated on that as well. Now, in the co-main event, we have a little piece of history, as long as he keeps to his word, which most people in MMA don't. But King Mo, Muhammad Lawal, this is his retirement fight. Uh, he's already taken on some more of a coaching role at American Top Team. Uh, one of the best gyms in the country. Uh, has proven himself to be quite a good coach, if you ask many around that way, at those parts. He is a minus 350 favorite over Andrew Capel at plus 260. Now, a few interesting things about this fight. This fight is actually a catch weight at 195. That's significant because Andrew Capel is a middleweight. Uh, King Mo is borderline a lifelong light heavyweight. He's Messed around with heavyweight a little bit in the Ryzen tournaments and fighting against Rampage and stuff like that. But this will be the lowest that he has weighed for MMA competition. I'm not entirely worried about that because King Mo was, has always been uh, a small, light heavyweight. Given that he doesn't cut much weight at all, he doesn't like doing it. He just kind of stays lean and cuts a few pounds, uh, as far as I understand it, given interviews he's given. But he is on a three-fight losing streak. And not just a three-fight losing streak. He's actually been TKO'd in four of his last five fights. That's bad, man. That's that that's starting to go. I mean, he's been finished earlier in his career as well, career as well but th th this is really starting to come on. So I understand why he's on the verge of retirement. And the and Bellator, honestly, they're setting him up pretty good here. Uh, they're having him go against the middleweight, who he should be stronger and more physical than who seems to be much more of a striker and much less of a ground specialist. So Kimo should be able to get him down. And honestly, he should be able to get him down and wear him out and ground and pound him. I mean, that should happen. This guy's a low rent Lorenz Larkin. And when King Mo fought Lorenz Larkin outside of the positive drug test afterward, King Mo kind of threw him down and demolished him. So, I can see that happening here. Obviously, you would have to be absolutely crazy to bet on King Mo at minus 350, given where his chin is at, now being at a lower weight and all that, and the fact that retirement fights have a tendency to not go their fighter's way, but in terms of a fighter and a fight, he should win. So, Mike, how do you feel about King Mo in this fight? And actually, given it's his retirement fight, maybe your fondest King Mo memory. 
Um, King Mo is being set up uh, really, really easily by Scott Coker right now. I think it's the best matchup, most favorable matchup he's had in a long time. I, I, I just don't see what, what this what this kid's going to do to him. I think that uh, King Mo sh- could, should be able to use his wrestling and get this dork to the ground and uh, smash him to itty-bitty pieces. Um, I, I, I'd, I'd sack to watch King Mo lose three in a row. Uh, he, he's not just lost three. No, he's got his ass smashed three times, and it's been really, really sad. So this is probably the best setup retirement fight he could possibly ask for. Um, I think he should win this pretty easily. So uh, it, that's my take on that. And my, uh, my, I guess, my favorite memory of King Mo is, man, he's fought for so long. Let's see. I know I sprung that on you. If you want, I can give mine. Yeah. You what know do what? you think on yours? The problem is, is that he, there's so many more decisions than I, 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 I thought. You know, and like they're not. If you go back and look, there are not very many knockouts or punches versus very good guys. I don't know. It's weird. If you look at, I didn't really realize that until now. Well, honestly, one thing that always bothered me about King Mo, um, is I was super high on King Mo uh, when the UFC bought. The stri- about Strike Force. I was actually really excited to hopefully see him fight against um, John Jones one day, but yeah. then he popped in the final um, Strike Force fight uh, when he beat Lawrence Larkin, and it ended up kind of being a t- tainted supplement. That was before any of that could happen, though, and uh, he kind of got the book thrown at him a little bit. Yeah, God. I think I think it'd be. I think it'd be Musasi when he beat Musasi was the most uh, impressive to me. Yeah, probably. Well, honestly, do, do you remember that horrible staph infection that he got and he was out for like a year? I don't think he ever fully yeah, came no. back all the way. That he had kind of never been the same since then. That happened like just a little bit post. Not sure if he was in Bellator yet, but I know he had finished his Strike Force run. And it might have been between Strike Force and Bellator when he got the staff, but he was out for a long time, and he was on antibiotics for months. And I just I don't think he ever came back near what he was. Like the guy that I mean I know that was at 205 Lorenz Larkin. I'm very aware Larkin fights at welterweight now. I'm aware of all this stuff, but how he just dismantled him, how he beat Musasi way back when. He's always had flashes, but yeah, I think that kind of stole from him. I think with the really long um, world wrestling career, like post-collegiate, uh, doing worlds and stuff like that, and the strike force career, and then the staff, it's like, I, I don't know. I, I think he was kind of done. I mean, he got had a qu- decent wins later on, but they were all when Bellator was in their building phase, so... It was a lot of washouts, but I don't know. I guess I always liked to, I guess my fondest memory was when he spazzed out on the commissioner when she asked if he could read and he pulled the race card and swore at her and the UFC cut him on the spot. Um, I know that's probably not a good, (laughs) that's probably not a good uh, memory, but it's the most memorable part. But I mean, he's going to be another one of those guys for me that was always a what if, because I I see, always see a definite decline uh, post staff. And I've thought that for a long time, and 
just hate to see that he was never actually able to come back with that, I guess. I don't know. Oh, well, sa- sappy moment done. Sorry about that. I, did, I do hope he gets the win uh, in his final fight because, I mean, it's always a good way to go out. I do think he can and he can win dominantly, and I hope he retires. And Damn it, I hope he sticks with it. Um, we're going to move on to the main event. Some of you might be shocked this is a main event. I mean, I guess part of it, part of them has been a main event before, but not for reasons he thought. So uh, in the main event, John Salter, uh, former UFC fighter, now Bellator middleweight standout is fighting uh, Costello Van Stenis. Salter is minus 155. Van Stenis is plus 125. Uh, they are likely both on the cusp of title contention. I mean, Salter has lost to Lovato Jr. before. And I guess it depends what Musasi or so anybody else, uh, the higher-ups of the middleweight do. But both these guys have some of the best records in the division and are quietly making a name for themselves. Uh, like I said, Salter has been a main event before, but that was when he was fighting Chidi Ninja Kawani, which Belter has been super high on. Salter actually beat him by submission, uh, thus kind of taking his shine a little bit. Um, Van Stenis actually has a win over Chris Honeycutt. That's his best win uh, in terms of this fight. Salter is going to be the Grammy one. He's going to go. He's going to fight hard. He's going to make it grimy. He's going to try to get it down. He's going to try to get that sub at some point, if possible. Van Stenis is going to try to stand up, get his kicking game going. He is no slouch on the ground. Uh, Mike brought up and has learned that Van Stenis is uh, one of Musasi's boys, and the reason his first two Bellator fights were on. Musasi's card, so must be a training partner of some type. So, who better to train with if you're uh, going into the Bellator middleweight division? Uh, just uh, currently do not have a bet on this fight, but uh, if you're talking to Mike and he'll give you the points that he has, which is quite compelling, I'm starting to lean more towards uh, Van Stenis now, um, especially if he becomes even a bigger dog. Plus 125 is fairly tempting. And I could base most of that just off the fact that I think a win over Chris Honeycutt is better than a win over Chidi Nijikawani. Like, I think Chris Honeycutt is a better version of Salter, and Van Stenis already beat him. Whereas I think Chidi Nijikawani is a lesser version of Van Stenis, and Salter did beat him, but it's not as impressive as going against the real thing. So my lean is uh, the dog here. No bet currently, but obviously keep an eye out. Uh on the Twitter, because that will get shot out if he gets up to big enough dogs. Uh, dog odds, sorry. Uh, Mike, what's your thought on this Bell Tour main event? Um, I think that <clears throat> this fight's going to be pretty fun. I, I, I'm, I really like this Costello guy. I think that his striking is, uh, is, is going to be far superior than Salter, especially training with Musasi for so long. And then, so that kind of leaves... Uh, Salter with just wrestling to look to look for, and uh, I mean, I, he should have good enough takedown the, uh, takedowns to get him down, but can he hold him down for long? And some of those guys' takedown defense out there in the Netherlands and stuff has been advancing pretty fast. And so I don't know, man. I feel like this younger guy is going to come in there and uh, make a name for himself by beating Salter up. I I, I don't. 
I don't know. The, the line's even weird. It's it's kind of kind of trolly, and uh, so I just I think it's the Costello. Sorry, uh, can get it, come in here and possibly uh, get a win here. So I'd pick Costello. Well, we will keep our eye on this dog price. If it gets too big, we probably won't be able to turn away the Dutchman with the Italian first name. Sometimes that combo, you just gotta gotta lean towards it. Like your eye favor, you know, got that like half Dutch, half Italian thing going on, kinda <laughs> kinda melt kinda melts the soul. Uh, what can I say? Um, but uh, uh, if you are marking this at home, yes, we have uh, one bet for this card. Uh, it is Mike's bet. He has a bet at Leslie Smith at minus one forty seven to win one unit. So one point four seven units to win one. Um, we will double check that as U.S. odds come out, and we will adjust accordingly and let you guys know. Uh, we are hopeful that we will do more Bell Tour shows coming up, especially if they warrant it, and especially if they have fights we are eyeing for bets. Really wish, in hindsight, we would have done one for 232. Ended up being a really good card, but sometimes these busy fight weeks, it's hard to get multiple shows in. But uh, we look forward to doing more for you, and... Mike, anything else to say to the peoples before we head out for the night? I just appreciate you guys and uh, hope you guys have a great weekend with your family and friends. We will see all of you guys later this week when we do our UFC show. And just remember, there's a fighter with the nickname Anger Fist. Peace.